Hello. Today we're going to review what we did last spring in our Bible class in the Gospel of John. So we welcome the new people who are watching and we say welcome back to those who came to the class. Uh, we're studying the Gospel of John and First, we talk about the author of the Gospel of John, which would be the disciple John. And the disciple John would have been the son of Zebedee the fisherman, probably from the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Galilee area. And he's often thought of as the youngest of the disciples. Uh, probably because he was reported to be still alive right around the year 95 or 100. And by that time, he was known as the Elder and was associated with the church in Ephesus and then, of course, exiled and to the island of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. Uh, John's Gospel has many themes and many uh, things about its style that are very much like John's three letters at the back of the Bible. And uh, John in his Gospel doesn't really name himself much. Uh, instead, especially when we get to the Passion History, uh, John calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And love is one of the major themes in the Gospel of John. Uh, so that's the author of the Gospel. Uh, the purpose of the Gospel, we can't talk about the purpose of John's Gospel without uh, talking about the relation to the other Gospels. Uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke seem to have been written first, and there are different theories, different traditions. Uh, one of the traditions is that Matthew was written first, then Mark, then Luke. Uh, some people think that Mark was written first, and then Matthew and Luke used some material from Mark and they fleshed it out in their own way. Uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the Synoptic Gospels, and I hope you can see this through the glare. Um, synoptic is a word that means that they look together, like sin, like in synod, walking together, optic, like uh, optician. Uh, you look together. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke look at the life of Christ together from pretty much the same angle. And there are certain sections where somebody could read from Matthew and you could follow along in Luke almost word for word. Uh, same is true of Mark. Uh, the reason that there are four Gospels 
is because each gospel was written with its own purpose and uh, also part of that purpose is uh, for a certain audience. The, the writer was writing for his readers. Um, Matthew may have been written for Jewish readers, is likely to be written for Jewish readers because Matthew often uh, says such and such a thing happened in order that the prophecies would be fulfilled. And Matthew is always quick to quote Old Testament prophecies. Uh, Mark and Luke seem to be written for uh, Gentile audiences. Uh, uh, Mark because Mark is very basic and doesn't go into a lot of detail with many things. Uh, Luke does explain some things uh, a little bit more, uh, but we think those were for, written for Gentile audiences. And then uh, getting into that, back to the idea of purpose. What was the, the purpose of the Gospel of Matthew uh, was mostly what did Jesus teach? Uh, and so in the Gospel of Matthew, if you've got a red letter Bible, Matthew has more red ink in it than any of the other Gospels. You have, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, you have page after page after page of of red ink. What did Jesus teach? Uh, Mark is as the theme. What did Jesus do? Uh, Mark is a gospel of action. Jesus goes here. Uh, it may say he teaches, but doesn't talk too much about what he teaches, but then he, he healed somebody. Uh, he did this, he did that. Uh, Mark's favorite word is immediately. Uh, right away, Jesus came uh, to such and such a place. And then immediately, we went to this place, and immediately he went to that place. Uh, what did Jesus do? Uh, the Gospel of Luke is more, how did these things happen? How did the life of Jesus happen? So at the beginning you have, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. Uh, Joseph was engaged to Mary. The angel Gabriel came to Joseph, to, uh, to Mary. Uh, uh, it came to pass in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Joseph took his wife Mary to Bethlehem in Judea. She brought forth her firstborn son. Uh, and then later, it, uh, Luke des describes the setting of when Jesus began his ministry. Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests. Herod was the tetrarch of 
of Galilee. Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea and so on. Uh, Luke describes the historical setting and talks about how did these happen. Uh, John's purpose in his gospel is much more basic and uh, for John's time uh, was really most important. Uh, John's purpose or John's theme in his gospel is who is Jesus? I said that's for John's time that is a very important theme or a very important question uh, it seems John is the last of the Gospels um, and uh, Matthew Mark and Luke probably written in the late 50s to early 60s uh, John, we think he might have been, he might have written his book uh, in the 80s. And by the 80s, there were already false doctrines about Jesus beginning to rise. Uh, and two different false teachings about the person of Jesus. Who is Jesus? Uh, and one false teaching, and we can't say narrow it down and say this is uh, a certain group that was teaching this. This was something that was kind of creeping up here and there. Uh, in some ways, it was taking teachings and ideas from other religions uh, other philosophies and applying it to Jesus. Uh, uh, so we have to kind of say this is more of a category rather than a certain group of people. Uh, and uh, and the one group would be we would have to call them the Gnostics. And the Gnostics, they claim to have secret knowledge about Jesus, secret knowledge about God, secret knowledge about the way the world works. Uh, and uh, once in a while, there are newspaper articles even movies uh, that rely on what's called the Gnostic Gospels. There is such a thing as New Testament Apocrypha, uh, or as some people say, books, lost books of the Bible, books that didn't make it into the Bible, and there's good reason why some of these books didn't make it into the Bible. They teach a different Jesus. Uh, there was uh, such a thing as the, the Gnostic Gospel of Thomas. 
and uh, it's an infancy gospel. Talks about when uh, Jesus was a baby, up until he was about three, four years old. And there are stories in the uh, Gnostic Gospel of Thomas about uh, Mary and Joseph taking the baby Jesus down to Egypt. Uh, you remember that from the Gospel of Matthew, the wise men come. Herod, Herod goes berserk at the thought of a newborn king of the Jews and uh, decides to kill all the babies of Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph take Jesus and run away to Egypt. And according to the Gospel of Thomas, uh, on the way they're changing the baby Jesus diapers and they happen to throw one on a leper and the leper is healed. Uh, fantastic, miraculous things in the Gospel of Thomas. Uh, they come back to Nazareth. Jesus is playing uh, with other children his age, and they're making little mud pies. And uh, three-year-old Jesus takes the mud and sculpts little birds and makes them fly. Or some other child makes fun of uh, the child Jesus, and Jesus turns him into stone. Now... How do we know that these Gospels, these Gnostic Gospels, are fake, are false? Uh, well, we think of something that the disciple John says in the second chapter of his Gospel. After John describes the wedding of Cana, John says, this is the first of his miraculous signs that he performed in Cana of Galilee. Jesus didn't do any miraculous signs before that. He didn't heal lepers with his diapers. He did not uh, make little birds out of clay and make them fly. He did not turn a playmate into stone. And besides those miracles, with the exception of the diaper, uh, the, those miracles about uh, making the bird out of clay or turning a, a playmate into stone, those are out of character very much with every single miracle in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, every miracle of Jesus serves two purposes. The first is to help somebody in need and the second is to display Jesus' glory and to show who Jesus really is. And uh, making little mud birds that fly, that's showing off and it's not really helping anybody in need. Turning uh, playmates into stone, well that's not really helping anybody either. And that reminds us of John chapter 3. The Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. There were many occasions where Jesus could have turned the Pharisees into stone, but he didn't because his purpose was to save the world, uh, to reveal the loving will of the Father. And so uh, in the early church, the Gnostic Gospels were 
rejected. Uh, something with the Da Vinci Code. Remember the Da Vinci Code about 15 years ago, I think, the book and the movie. Uh, the book, The Da Vinci Code, made the claims that uh, the early Gospels downplayed the divinity of Jesus, and then after the Council of Nicaea, uh, the Christian Church declared Jesus to be God and put all of this other stuff into the Gospels. Well, actually, the opposite is true, uh, that many of these early Gnostic Gospels emphasize the divinity of Jesus, sometimes with fantastic miracles. Uh, and the legitimate Gospels uh, bring in the miraculous as a matter of fact. Uh, they're not necessarily trying to prove something. They're just there to tell the story of Jesus. Uh, the Gnostics, uh, that emphasis on divinity of Jesus uh, was sometimes to uh, the de-emphasizing of the humanity of Jesus and sometimes to extreme. Uh, the humanity of Jesus. Uh, the emphasis on the divinity of Jesus sometimes was to such an extreme, and the downplaying of the humanity was sometimes to such extreme that there were some people who were teaching uh, God did not take on human flesh at all. He just had the appearance of human flesh. Today we would say kind of like a, a hologram, uh, a projection, uh, an image of Jesus and bodily he wasn't really there. And that's something that we do see in John's first letter where John uh, emphasizes it so much, he says the, uh, anybody who denies that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh uh, is a liar and is antichrist. Uh, John can't make it any more clear, any more uh, serious than that. Uh, and then we think of the first chapter of John, where John begins by emphasizing the divinity. In the beginning was the Word, and all things were made through him. Uh, and then the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Uh, so John is writing that in response to uh, these false teachings about Jesus coming up. Uh, that were starting to rise, that was, were starting to creep in among Christians. Uh, the Gnostics, uh, there was another group or another school of thought 
and that this is something that, that comes up again later in the history of the church. Uh, the Council of Nicaea was in the year 325. That's where our Nicene Creed comes from. Uh, and there were certain false teachings by that time uh, that were um, far more important or far more more of an issue than, than the Gnostics were. And so we'll call them the pre-Arians. Uh, there was a teacher named Arius at the time of the Council of Nicaea. 325. Uh, and Arius was teaching kind of the opposite of what some of these Gnostics were. Uh, the Gnostics overemphasized the divinity and downplayed the humanity of Jesus, and the Arians, and Arius himself, uh, downplayed the divinity of Jesus and emphasize the humanity of Jesus. Um, and some of that was starting already at the time of John. And uh, what they taught was Jesus was only human, not divine at all. And Arius himself uh, said there was a time when he was not speaking about Jesus. And uh, a little interesting trivia from church history. Uh, there was a certain bishop. Uh, he lived in a city in southern Turkey who was present at the Council of Nicaea and uh, he got so upset when Arius said there was a time when Jesus was not that he got up from his seat and punched Arius in the face and this certain bishop in, from southern Turkey uh, is somebody that you know. It's St. Nicholas of Myra who later his image was changed and kind of transmogrified into St. Nicholas, uh, Santa Claus. There was a real person named St. Nicholas, uh, lived around the year 300, was a bishop present at the Council of Nicaea, and got really upset when Arius said there was a time when he was not. And so the Nicene Creed expands on the Apostles' Creed uh, by emphasizing both the divinity and the humanity of Jesus. Uh, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. Jesus is both. 
And so around the year 80, John writes his gospel to, dis to show both a human and a divine Jesus. Uh, clar clarifying uh, the teaching about who is Jesus uh, to clarify that against the Gnostics on the one hand and the Arians or the pre-Arians on the other. Uh, that teaching, Jesus was just a human being, Arianism, that's alive and well today. Uh, there are certain uh, sects, uh, I suppose we could call them on the fringe of Christianity, uh, some who come around knocking on your doors, and the Jesus that they teach was not fully divine, uh, mostly human. And that's something that is also taught in liberal Christianity. Uh, downplaying the divine, emphasis on Jesus as, oh, maybe social reformer, activist, but just a human being. Um, I mentioned uh, Da Vinci Code before. One of the things in the Da Vinci Code was the, the idea Jesus was just a human being, a good teacher, nothing more. Uh, the movie Back in the 70s, it was a play, but then it became a movie, Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, I remember our teachers and pastors told us, that's a bad movie, don't watch that. And that got my curiosity up, and then many years later, I got the video from Goodwill for 50 cents and took it home and watched it. And it's a passion play, uh, which ends at the crucifixion. There's no Easter. Uh, the, the humanity of Jesus is emphasized and not the divinity. Uh, and there are a lot of other things in that movie that were, oh, let's just say they were less than the full teaching of Jesus. So back to John, the, the, the purpose of his writing uh, with relation to the other Gospels is who is Jesus and also uh, clarifying the teaching of uh, the person of Jesus uh, against some of these other false teachers. Now, major themes in John. Of course, the main theme in the Gospel of John, it comes up in every chapter, uh, every section, is the person of Jesus. Who is Jesus? Uh, chapter 2, Jesus changes water into wine, and 
At the end of that, it says, He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. Who is Jesus? He's the one who has divine glory, and he's the one we should put our faith in. Um, who is Jesus? Um, there are places where Jesus is talking with the Pharisees and uh, other opponents. And he says, uh, before Abraham was born, I am. Oh, that reminds us of uh, the book of Exodus where God calls himself, I am who I am. Who is Jesus? I am. Uh, he's Jehovah. He's I am who I am. Uh, that's a major theme that comes up again and again and again. Other themes in the Gospel of John. Uh, John likes contrasts. And uh, in his Gospel, uh, along with in his letters... John writes about light and darkness. Uh, another thing that is a theme in John's gospel and John's letters is love. God so loved the world. Uh, Jesus, in the Passion history, it talks about Jesus was about to display the full measure of love. Uh, he loved his own to the very end. Um, so those are uh, the main themes in the Gospel of John. Uh, and so that's our introduction to the Gospel of John. And I think we will leave that at that for this week. Uh, meanwhile, on your own, uh, read the first chapter of John before next week. And as you read it, I would like you to look for these things. And I handed out a bookmark to the class last spring. Uh, and uh, I will make something downloadable so you can uh, print it out and have it on hand. And I'll put that in the description to this video below. Uh, but as you read, uh, this is what you should look for and uh, certain questions you can ask yourself. Uh, look for uh, law and gospel. We're going to do some doctrinal analysis of, of John. And so you read a section and ask yourself, is, this, is there law here? Uh, is there some connection to one of the commandments? That would be law. Um, is there something that's being condemned? Uh, 
Jesus condemns the hypocrisy of his enemies. Whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. That's the law. Uh, when I'm preparing for a sermon, I look at a text and I say, what's the law here? Uh, yeah, is there some commandment that's being referenced? Or uh, is there some bad example that relates to one of the commandments? Uh, let's say King David uh, commits adultery and commits murder to cover it up. Well, that's a sixth commandment issue and then a fifth commandment issue. Uh, somebody's bad example fits in with law. Or an encouragement, this is what you should do uh, with the law as our guide. Uh, something God commands, something God forbids. Uh, gospel. Uh, look for something that talks about God's goodness. Uh, something that talks about forgiveness, uh, love, God's love to us in Christ, or declaring to us who Jesus is who came to our rescue. Uh, that is a point of gospel. Along with law and gospel, think about Other scriptures that come to mind, I often say the Bible's like the internet. There are connections everywhere. Uh, think of like hyperlinks. You click on something and it takes you to another page. Uh, Jesus says, before Abraham was born, I am. Oh, that reminds me of Exodus 3. Uh, God reveals himself to Moses as I am who I am. Uh, other scriptures that come to mind, uh, parallels. Uh, before I talked about Matthew and Mark and Luke uh, being very similar, you can read from one and follow along in the other. John isn't quite that way. There are some things that John talks about that Matthew, Mark, and Luke talk about, but you can't follow along word for word. Uh, in the Gospel of John, uh, some of the common accounts are Jesus feeds the 5,000. Uh, but then in the Gospel of John, John talks more about what happens after the feeding of the 5,000. Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't. Uh, but uh, with, when we talk about Matthew, Mark, and Luke telling the same accounts, uh, we call those parallels. So, uh, parallels, some places there are near parallels. And so in uh, the Gospel of John, Jesus drives the money changers out of the temple, but he does it at the beginning of his ministry. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus drives the money changers out of the temple, but it's on either Palm Sunday afternoon or Monday of Holy Week. Near parallels. Uh, similar things that happen, but at different times. Uh, or uh, 
another one is in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus heals a centurion's son. Luke heals, in, in Luke, Jesus heals a centurion's servant and uh, in Capernaum. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus heals a royal official's son in Capernaum. Very similar, but different enough so that we know these are not parallels. So we'll call those near parallels. Uh, any other scripture that comes to mind? It can even be just a single verse. If you're reading in the Gospel of John and something pops into your head, write that down in your notebook. Make a, make a, a note of that. Uh, another thing to look for as you read is what I call catechism connections. And some, we're going to have some overlap with these two. Uh, catechism connections, if you're, as you read, is there a commandment that comes to mind? Is there a line of the Lord's Prayer that comes to mind? Is there something about baptism or the Lord's Supper or confession and forgiveness that comes to mind? Make a note of that. Uh, and then uh, life application. Uh, is there something that I'm reading in this chapter or reading in this section that applies to what we see happening in the world today? Is there something that I'm reading in this section that really hits me? I feel like uh, Jesus is talking directly to me. As you read and look for law, gospel, other scriptures, catechism, connections, life application, uh, we make note of these things so that we're drawing as much meaning out of the scripture as we can. You can, of course, just read the Bible and not give, give it much thought. And that's okay, too. You can cover a lot of... Uh, text that way uh, but in the course of our study of the Gospel of John I like people to give some thought to these so that you come up with the questions and uh, something that you can do if you have questions about what I covered today in the video or as we look forward to the Gospel of John uh, I'm going to put my email address right here, and you can email me during the week, and I will either email you an answer back, or I'll address it in the next video. Uh, back to life application. Uh, a pastor friend of mine uh, said for his uh, sermon analysis, something that he likes to ask himself is what does God want me to know? What does God want me to be? 
What does God want me to do? Uh, what does God want me to know? Well, law and gospel. Uh, that often may both will fit with what does God want me to know. What does God want me to be? A lot of times it will tell you this is what God is making of you. Uh, what does God want me to do? That can be law. That can be law as guide. So that's the introduction to the Gospel of John and a thought about what we're looking for. And we will continue next time with John chapter 1.